Chapter Two of the Diamond Master by Jacques Futrelle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: Tweedledum and Tweedledee. A little while later, when Mister Latham started out to luncheon, he thrust the white glazed box into an inside pocket. It had occurred to him that Schultz, Gustav Schultz, the greatest importer of precious stones in America, was usually at the club where he had luncheon. He found Mr. Schultz, a huge blond German, sitting at a table in an alcove alone, gazing out upon Fifth Avenue in deep abstraction, with perplexed wrinkles about his blue eyes. The German glanced around at Latham quickly, as he proceeded to draw out a chair on the opposite side of the table. "'Sit down, Latham, sit down,' he invited explosively. "'I have just sent for the waiter to telephone to ask you—' There was a restrained note of excitement in the German's voice, but at the moment it was utterly lost upon Mr. Latham. Schultz, you've probably imported more diamonds in the last ten years than any other half-dozen men in the United States, he interrupted. I have something here I want you to see. Perhaps at some time it may have passed through your hands. He placed the glazed box on the table. For an instant the German stared at it with amazed eyes. Then one fat hand darted toward it, and he spilled the diamond out on the napkin in his plate. Then he sat gazing as if fascinated by the lambent, darting flashes deep from the blue-white heart. "'Mein Gott, Latham!' he exclaimed, and, with fingers which shook, he lifted the little stone and squinted through it toward the light with critical eyes. Mr. Latham was leaning forward on the table, waiting, watching, and listening. Well, he queried impatiently at last. Latham, it is a miracle, Mr. Schultz explained solemnly, with his characteristic whimsical philosophy. I have the duplicate of it, Latham. It's twin, it's little brother. See here? From an inner pocket he produced a glazed white box, identical with that which Mr. Latham had just set down, then carefully laid the cover aside. Look, Latham, look! Mr. Latham looked and gasped. Here was the counterpart of the mysterious diamond which still lay in Mr. Schultz's outstretched palm. "'They are twins, Latham,' remarked the German quaintly, finally. "'It came by mail this morning, just like this, wrapped in paper, but with no marks, no name, no nothing. It just came.' With his right hand Mr. Latham lifted the duplicate diamond from its cotton bed, and with his left took the other from the German's hand. Then, side by side, he examined them. Color, diameter, depth, all seemed to be the same. "'Twins, I tell you,' repeated Mr. Schultz stolidly. "'Tweedledum and Tweedledee, born of the same mother and father. "'Latham, it is a miracle. "'They are the most beautiful in the world, just the pair of them.' "'Have you made,' Mr. Latham began, and there was an odd, uncertain note in his voice. Have you made an expert examination? I have. I measured them, deepness, cutting, facets, and it's perfect. And I take my own judgment of a diamond, Latham, before any man in the world. But, Zenki. And the weight? Precisely six and three-sixteenths carat. There is not more of a difference than thirty seconds between them. Mr. Latham regarded the importer steadily, 
the while he fought back an absurd, nervous thrill in his voice. There isn't that much, Schultz. Their weight is exactly the same. For a long time the two men sat staring at each other unseeingly. Finally the German, with a prodigious Teutonic sigh, replaced the diamond from Mr. Latham's right hand in one of the glazed boxes, and carefully stowed it away in a cavernous pocket. Mr. Latham mechanically disposed of the other in the same manner. "'Whose are they?' he demanded at length. "'Why are they sent to us like this? With no name, no letter of explanation. Until I saw the stone you have, I believed this other had been sent to me by some careless fool for setting, perhaps, and that a letter would follow it. I merely brought it here on the chance that it was one of your importations and that you could identify it. But since you have received one under circumstances which seem to be identical, now he paused helplessly. What does it mean? Mr. Schultz shrugged his huge shoulders and thoughtfully flicked the ashes from his cigar into the consomme. You know, Latham, he said slowly, they don't pick up diamonds like those on the street corners. I don't believe there was a stone of such bigness in the United States whose owner I didn't know it was. Those that are here I have brought here myself, mostly. Those I did not, I kept track of. I don't know, Latham. I don't know. The longer I live, the more I don't know. The two men completed a scant luncheon in silence. Obviously, remarked Mr. Latham, as he laid his napkin aside, the diamonds were sent to us by the same person. Obviously, they were sent to us with a purpose. Obviously, we will in time hear from the person who sent them. Obviously, they were intended to be perfectly matched. So, let's see if they are. Come to my office and let Zenki examine the one you have. He hesitated an instant. Suppose you let me take it. We'll try a little experiment. He carefully placed the jewel which the German handed to him in an outside pocket, and together they went to his office. Mr. Zenki appeared in answer to a summons, and Mr. Latham gave him the German's box. That's the diamond you examined for me this morning, isn't it? he inquired. Mr. Zenki turned it out into his hand and scrutinized it perfunctorily. Yes, he replied after a moment. Are you quite certain? Mr. Latham insisted. Something in the tone caused Mr. Zenki to raise his beady black eyes questioningly for an instant, after which he walked over to a window and adjusted his magnifying glass again. For a moment or more he stood there, then... "'It's the same stone,' he announced positively. "'It's a miracle, Latham, when Zenki makes a mistake,' the German exploded suddenly. "'Show him the other one.' Mr. Zenki glanced from one to the other, with a quick, inquisitive glance. Then, without a word, Mr. Latham produced the second box and opened it. The expert stared incredulously at the two perfect stones, and finally, placing them side by side on a sheet of paper, returned to the window and sat down. Mr. Latham and Mr. Schultz stood beside him, looking on curiously, as he turned and twisted the jewels under his powerful glass. "'As a matter of fact,' asked Mr. Latham pointedly at last, "'you would not venture to say which of these stones it was you examined this morning, would you?' "'No,' 
replied Mr. Zanke curtly, not without weighing them. And if the weight is identical? No, said Mr. Zanke again. If the weight is the same, there is not the minutest fraction of a difference between them. End of chapter 2